Hi everyone, this is Sudeshna from the Abundant Psyche and you are listening to the Not So Corporate podcast. Here we talk about all of the not so corporate things that we corporate entrepreneurs end up doing within and outside our corporate lives. And today I have with me a very special guest, my former colleague from Strategy and Ram Sondarajan. Ram and I used to work together at Strategy and recently he has delved into the area of entrepreneurship. We'll talk a lot about that, but I have a bit of an anecdotal story to share. So uh, some of you might know that I used to, uh, like I had a career gap and I used to paint a lot. Um, In my career gap, I took up oil painting and I painted a few pieces and I put them up for charity auction in Strategy and and Ram bought them. And when I heard that, I was like, if it's if it wasn't for the charitable angle, I would have really questioned your <laughs> questioned your um, tasted art, really, Ram. But um, but there you go. There's an anecdote. Uh, but he is a really really passionate entrepreneur. He has been uh, an inspiration and. He cares really about diversity, gender equality, immigration, urban and rural uh, equalities, all these good topics that we are going to cover. Uh, Welcome to the show, Ram. So lovely to have you. Sudeshna, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity. Very, very excited to be speaking to you again. Uh, By the way, your paintings were absolutely fantastic, so don't let yourself down. It is hanging right in front of me here in my office here. So well done on that. Right. Okay. I don't know what to say. Ram, tell me a bit more about your journey and your story. Yeah, sure. So I currently run a B2B SaaS company called Cubotech. I founded it about four months ago in November of 2020 alongside four other co-founders. And we are really moving at great pace and we are building a team, we're building products, all the cool stuff that's happening, which I'll tell you a bit more about later. But before founding this business, the last 17 or 18 years or so, I spent most of my time uh, in the corporate world, half of it in the world of strategy consulting between firms like McKinsey and & Company and Booz and & Company, which later became Strategy Ant, and another half of uh, my career in um, firms like ITC Limited in India, which is one of the largest FMCG businesses, uh, and another Fortune 1000 industrial packaging business. So I would say about good 18 years or so in the world of corporate, but the first 20 odd years of my life, um, I can tell you, it couldn't have been farther away from anything that looked like corporate, right? I I was raised in a um, very small village for the first 12 to 15 years of my life. I spent most of my time in a place called Anayur, which is really, really close to a city called Madurai back in India. And then after that, I moved on to a tier three city called uh, Trichy in India. Nobody in my family or my extended family or my extended circle worked for any corporates at any point in their lives. Yeah, 180 degree diametrically opposite experiences of starting with something that doesn't look anything like corporate to then spending a good 18 odd years of my career in corporate and now um, have ventured on to do something quite different and something that I'm very passionate about. That's brilliant. So you had an amazing career, a very, very successful career working for McKenzie and Thraji and, and you were quite young when you managed like a multi-million dollar business. Why give up all of that 
and venture into entrepreneurship we all have certain we all, we all have different you know journeys and paths we have our own struggles and our our own successes i certainly felt these for the first 12 13 years of my career i was definitely chasing success and chasing achievements and you could even say i was chasing trophies right so for me it was always about what next you know what am i going to achieve in the next 6 months what am i going to achieve in the next uh 12 months you know when am i going to actually run a business when am i going to run a big business right all these things that tend to motivate pe- people like us but i guess around 2014 2015 time frame when i was just coming off uh running a really large business unit in out of the middle east it was a 250 million dollar business unit over 2000 people that were a part of the organization Uh, and i was barely 31 32 when i was running that business unit so i felt like i had achieved a lot by then but at the same time when i was coming off that role and took a 3 4 month career break i somehow recognized that you know we cannot measure ourselves and i cannot measure myself with just the yardstick of achievement uh, it felt like a very narrow way of looking at my own journey um and increasingly i felt more and more people were moving towards this notion of achievement and i questioned myself how did people live over the last 50 years 100 years 200 years 300 years when no corporates existed you know, what did they measure themselves what was more important than achievement so it certainly felt that achievement cannot be the only yardstick mm. and therefore I, i chose to take a slightly different path so instead of looking at my own journey in life as one focused on achievements i started thinking about it as um, a set of experiences rather than a set of achievements my focus became one of how can i gain as many experiences as possible as i go through the rest of my life rather than as many achievements as possible mm. and clearly one of the big things i wanted to do was to you know start something from scratch I felt very passionately about building things and it didn't have to be a company that i had to build right it could have been an art enterprise i could have built or um you know i could have built a, an ngo but at this point in my time it certainly felt the next 5 to 7 years or so i should go and build a venture and and that was largely the drive behind doing something different rather than just being on the same path and trying to go for more and more achievements yeah that's amazing and there's nothing to say that this won't be another achievement what i was really interested in ram was your story from that rural to urban setting and then how you transitioned through your life and how that also impacted how you view entrepreneurship yeah it's a it's a great question right? and it's 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 very difficult for um anyone for that matter to put themselves in someone else's shoes if they've not been where, where they if they've not really understood where they've come from it is this is a very interesting uh, book from uh, malcolm gladwell i'm sure one of the authors i'm, I'm sure you you read and, and i'm i'm a big fan of malcolm gladwell where his book outliers he talks about where people come from matters as much as anything else as well so for me the first 15 years of my time living in a, a largely agrarian society where almost 9 out of 10 people around me were you know, farmers or you know people involved in animal husbandry or you know figuring out different ways to make a living and i've i've never seen anything more entrepreneurial than that when you live in a village in, in a, a village in, in india is very very different from probably village in many other parts of the world if you live there you see how entrepreneurial people are because there are no corporates there are no big businesses the governments do not necessarily provide mass employment for people in small villages majority of the economic activity is centered around the big cities and tier 1 cities or tier 2 cities. so people have to find a way to make their own living so subconsciously all that i saw 
around me without really realizing it was a form of entrepreneurship at that point in time it was everybody and and mind you the labor participation rates among women is very very high in rural parts of the world there's a lot of talk in the corporate world around you know diversity and the opportunity for women but if you really look at what happens in villages you will find women play a significant role in earning an income and at the same time you know they play a big role in many cases they might actually be out of men so that was always a great source of inspiration for me and literally 3 4 months ago when i just sat down and thought about what sort of a business i want to build and what sort of values should our business have and our should should our teams have there is a lot that reflected upon 15 20 years you know living in rural parts of india and, and learning from all the good things that they did and people in the, in those parts of the world actually did so so i wouldn't say you know the world of entrepreneurship is entirely new to me except that you know i went uh, the last 17 or 18 years of my life uh, there has always been a monthly paycheck you know hitting my bank account and you you don't truly become an entrepreneur until that stops that is so interesting you're so right like in rural india i don't know about other parts of the world but in rural india definitely women do play such an important role i think that we tend to talk about diversity from a very corporate western right. sort of a concept and guilty of uh, doing this myself running after achievements and so on but i guess there's there's a broader question around equality and what it really means i think every person is capable of doing anything that they want to but i guess is our society becoming somewhat of a super achievement focused society it certainly feels that way while i was raised there was no expectations from me as to what i will end up achieving the fact that i might be sitting 30 years down the line in a great city like london and speaking to you about you know my life journey and the entrepreneurship that i'm after none of that could have even be a part of my wildest dream when i was growing up there were very little expectations around what i could achieve with, with my with my own life but today you know right from the time you are 9 10 years old all the way to you know, when you get to college to when you get to work and there is this big question of what next and is your achievement bigger than others achieve and how do you, how do you outdo each other I and mean, those sort of questions seem to be more important than probably they should be because i think there is enough in this world for everyone to be happy about enough the ultimate thing that everyone should be after is i would like to do what i want to do mm. right and if i'm somehow able to get a little bit of control over that then it feels like you know a very 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 progressive you know life and we have a great time and i think that's a great thing to have except that if that gets only determined by the medals and the badges and net worth dollars and how big a business you ran and things like that then it it, it just becomes a bit too narrow yeah sometimes i wonder are you achieving the medals or are the medals almost achieving you in some sense <laughs> so tell us a bit more about cubatech yeah cubatech technologies is a the b2b software as a service business we are currently building an intelligent software platform which is primarily aimed at mid tier manufacturing businesses and when i say mid tier manufacturing businesses these are companies with let's say you know under 500 million dollars annual revenue these businesses have a lot of complexity believe it or not even though they might sound small compared to businesses that turn over tens of billions of dollars 
even these businesses have a lot of complexity you know maybe five factories customers in 10 countries 3000 4000 employees so that's that's a lot of complexity and wherever there is complexity there is an opportunity to unlock value and many of these businesses have been definitely battered by some of the events that have transpired during the pandemic over the past year or so uh, so many of them are searching for ways to improve their profitability and unlock value going forward our view is that the current consulting led service led support propositions to help these companies unlock value is very expensive and therefore many of these companies don't seek any such help or advice mm-hmm. it's beyond what they can actually afford and therefore they end up doing things on their own which again is a great thing in my view they they end up reinventing the wheel and their transformation tends to be quite slow it's also very hard for these businesses to to attract top notch talent Mm-hmm. The top-notch talent wants to go to these days wants to go to startups or to these big brand name companies. They don't want to go to to mid-tier funds. Therefore, our view is, you know, how can we build the right set of intelligent tools and lightweight, simple, affordable tools that can complement the internal transformation efforts within these organizations. And there is obviously a lot of technology involved in building these tools. So it is essentially productization of quite a bit of the simpler consulting efforts. so that way whatever dollars are available for transformation they can be invested in the execution support rather than diagnosing and finding opportunities etc so our tools and our platform will help these companies you know unlock i would say anywhere between 600 to 800 basis points of value and and do so in a very very quick period of time right and under under a month or two or three they should be able to figure out where the improvement opportunities are and that can set the stage for their transformation efforts and not having to spend 2 or 3 or 4 million that they would typically spend on a, a large consulting firm and mind you large consulting firms are not interested in serving these mid-tier businesses either right because large consulting businesses are focused on large clients too so we feel it's a, a big sector highly underserved segment that requires help and it's been ignored for a very very long period of time uh in a sector that is vital to the economy and, and brings a huge amount of gdp uh and therefore uh, we believe we we are playing in a very very exciting area and b2b saas sort of started 8 9 years ago right on the back of the 2008 9 financial crisis and that's when that industry was really born it still feels like day one in saas and and we are very very excited about taking simple affordable lightweight low cost technology to firms and and help them unlock value so in in one sentence our purpose really is to help them transform their competitiveness transform the competitiveness of the manufacturing companies uh, digitally as much as we can through simple low cost lightweight technology that's the way we are looking at it so you are also making high quality consulting and the technology the data all of that stack accessible to mid tier companies and after that they have money left to actually implement the thing out themselves rather than spending the money on strategy and then realizing and i i have seen quite a few cases where companies would actually spend all the money on the consultants and then wonder where does the money for implementation come and i think that's that's really crucial to solve yeah yeah no we we don't we don't necessarily see ourselves as trying to replace consulting one way or the other right 
And, and we don't even think of ourselves as trying to disrupt consulting in some way. For us, you know, there is a massive market that is underserved, does not receive help in any form today, neither through technology nor through consultants, because they sort of, of that scale and size that is not in the radar of uh, people that want to provide help. And there are two ways to provide them help, right? We could have started another, another consulting organization or a consulting company that goes and helps these firms. But we view that as there are many consulting firms out there already, smaller niche consulting firms out there already, but still very, very expensive for these sort of mid-tier companies. Mm. So therefore, we are trying to solve part of the problem through productization of diagnostics and productization of the, the strategy generation process as much as we can. But then, like you say, most of the money that these companies have to invest in their transformation can then be deployed towards execution. So at the execution stage, they could get help from consulting firms or bring on execution talent or transformation talent to actually make this a reality. So it's, it's a, it's a, there are many parallels that we've seen in other industries too, right? Where we see that is a service-led support model or a consulting-led support model. And that is disproportionately expensive for the value that can be generated through that model for a certain scale and size of a company. And productization comes over and then you know, takes that share away or helps solve that problem. A great example is in, in the world of market research and customer research and consumer research, right? My wife works for a company called uh, Qualtrics, which just went IPO about three weeks ago. Um, and, and they have led this uh, transformation in the industry where a lot of the customer research, market research that was happening through boots on the ground, through marketing agencies and research agencies, a lot of that has now been enabled through technology and experience management platforms. So a lot of that business has moved over these experience management platforms. It's fast, it's cheap, it's slick, it gets the job done. And who do you think benefits the most? It's not always the largest of companies who always had budgets for big research agencies. It's the mid-tier companies and smaller companies that never had the budget to actually go ahead and, and spend on things like that. But they've adopted technology at a fraction of the cost. And today they are able to sort of get the same benefits as they would have spent a lot of that through a service-led model. So there are parallels that already exist, but the space that we are competing in, we see is quite green uh, at this point in time. That's great. Just to take a segue from yeah. that round. You mentioned that high quality talent wants to work for either startups or these big brands. Quite a lot of young, talented folks are getting into startups and that's great. Do you see any difference or pros and cons of doing an entrepreneurship sprint after your quite a seasoned tenured career? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I read somewhere the average age of first-time entrepreneur is 41. I wanted to be actually different to what everything I saw around me. And what I saw around me were, was people working in uh, the agricultural sector or people working in public sector in government. Uh, like my father was a public servant for all, almost all his career. And I wanted to go explore something very different than what was in front. And that led me to a, a, a corporate path. And I'm sure everybody, again, has their own reasons for the choices that they make when they're about 20. Uh, but I think 
there are huge advantages to taking the entrepreneurial path um, once you have some number of years of experience under your belt. And I can't say whether it's five or 10 or 15 or 20 for, for some very, very simple reason. Right? One, I think you develop much better business judgment um, as you spend a certain number of years. Uh, you develop judgment around how to work with people and get the best out of people as you put in a few more years on the ground. Uh, you come across as far more credible and a safer bet when investors want to invest money in you. Because what are startups? Startups typically, startups that require, let's say, angel funding or VC funding to scale. These are largely unproven ideas. So when you have unproven ideas, you want proven people to work on these unproven ideas and that improves the probability of success. When you have an unproven idea and an unproven team, the risk profile of that appears to be a lot higher than an unproven idea with a proven team. So if you are like an early tenure professional, in my view, you are actually better off going and buying a proven business, then scale that. And that'll, that's called the search fund, right? And search fund model is where an unproven individual buys a proven business and then scales it. And you might get a very different type of an investor for that. And there's another thing, which is, you know, if, you, if someone like myself who's worked for close to 20 years now in corporate also has a very strong professional network, right? And that comes very, very handy, be it, you know, raising investments or be it finding your pilot customers. Or those things become practically a little bit easy, but there are also cons to it, right? And so this, as I can see, it is... Um, it's very hard for somebody who is doing very well in their careers to just disrupt that and go to a startup because you have to sacrifice a lot. You have to give something away. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to see a paycheck for the next two or three years. Now, is that something people want to sign up when they are 38, 39, 40, when they probably have young family, a number of other commitments and a mortgage and whatnot? Uh, is that something easy to do? I would probably think it's not easy to do. Probably they are at a certain point in their careers where they got everything right in the next four to five years, their careers could take off in a much bigger way. And it's also possible that people that have clocked a number of years and have gained a lot of experience have more set ways of thinking. So, so, so as I see it, there are a lot of advantages for somebody who is a bit more tenured and getting into the world of entrepreneurship. But it's definitely not easy. And these are very, very personal decisions. And one of my co-founders, by the way, Frank, is 60. Frank was a very successful executive um, across a number of businesses. But now he's super excited about starting something up. These could be seen as outliers, right? Mm. Uh, but, but the reality is these are very personal decisions that people make. There is no right answer to when they should do it. Yeah, but I also remember, um, I think it was Ratan Tata when was 60 or over. That was the time when he came up with the Nano, which is the cheapest car in the world. So we shouldn't really think of age. Age is ultimately just a number, but also experience has massive value. Equally, I guess the reason why people get really excited about young entrepreneurs is because of Silicon Valley and Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, just to bring some perspective, that nuance was wonderful. Um, so uh, you mentioned a bit about the paycheck angle. Uh, tell me a bit more about things that you 
miss other than the paycheck from the corporate life? Uh, look, definitely a paycheck is something we will all miss with the, the day it stops coming. Sort of um, reconfigure our lifestyles a little bit around that. I'm not saying I've shut the door on corporates, right? I, I, who knows, maybe two, three years down the line, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, I might be back in the world of corporates. There's no running away from the world Absolutely. of corporates. Just because, for now. You know, yeah, yeah. I, like I'm a number of my customers will be corporates. A number of my investors will be corporates. Absolutely. So when we scale and when we become a bigger organization, we might look like a corporate too. So um, there's no running away from the world of corporates if you're in, if you're in business. Uh, but having worked for large organizations in the past, there are a number of things that you know, I, I, I do miss, right? One is large corporates naturally have hundreds of people and thousands of people and potentially tens of thousands of people. And your network is much wider and broader and you have an opportunity to interact with a wide range of people. When you work for a small company, a small team, miss that interaction with so many different people. Similar note, you know, corporates also have access to a lot of resources. So, you know, definitely we have to figure out a way to live within our means um, and, and do things in a very... <laughs> as creatively as, as possible. I think those are two things that I you know definitely miss. There are a number of things I don't miss. I, can, I, I don't miss the long meetings at all and significant number of meetings. Uh, within our team, decisions get made very, very quickly. You know, every time I put a 30 minute slot in the diary for people to get together and make key decisions, usually it takes us five minutes to make the decision, not 30. The pace is very, very different. So um, I enjoy the fast pace at which um, we move. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, you know, I also think um, you know, startups like us have very flat organizational structures, especially when you have just 10 people, 15 people working with you. Um, you know, titles mean nothing. There's no currency for titles. Uh, th those are some things uh, I'm not missing at all. So uh, Ram, I know you have a variety of interests. Tell me about that one not so corporate thing that you do that has ripple effects and an impact over both your personal and professional life. Is there something like that? Yeah, I think it's very hard to pin down to one. Um, but I, I think, uh, like I said, I, I made a very conscious choice five, six years ago that uh, I'm going to do anything and everything that really, really excites me. Uh, I'm going to just experience it. I certainly have uh, embraced that as much as I can. So if I had to pick really one thing, I would say it is travel. Like I mentioned earlier, um, where I grew up, the first 20 years of my life, I never left my home state. Um, my views of the world to everything was literally shaped by that microcosm I got to experience. There were some great things I learned from that microcosm and there were not so great things. But fortunately, in the last 15 years or so, I've had an opportunity to travel to at least 50 different countries and have had an opportunity to experience, learn from how people live their lives in so many different parts of the world. But the last 15 to 20 years, I've had amazing opportunities to actually go learn about so many things and how people there live their lives and their value systems and what they believe in and what they don't believe in. And I believe that's massively shaped my view of the world for the good, my value systems for the good. It certainly made me a more compassionate individual. It certainly made me a more grounded individual. Um, and it certainly shown me that a number of ideas I had in my head then uh, were not necessarily right. And I had to change, um, you know, and, and, you know, eventually continue to 
be on the journey of being a better individual going forward. So that's one thing I would say that's, it stands out um, for me personally. Yeah, you're right. Like there's something so humbling about getting to know people from different cultures and different life experiences where you are almost forced to challenge your own system of values. And that is amazing that you go, you went in with an open mind and perhaps changed some of your values, perhaps um, augmented some of your values, but that's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. So I think a lot of credit to you as well for being able to be open and take that onto your journey. Yeah, and there is this, uh, and I was I was hearing, watching um, uh, uh, one of those great comedians, Trevor Noah, um, and, and one of his uh, stand-up shows, and he talks about, and he quotes actually, you know, travel is the antidote to ignorance. Um, and I, I just realized the more I traveled, more of my ignorance went away. Absolutely. I love this chat. Any last thoughts, Ram, for our listeners? Uh, the one thing I would maybe leave with, right? And again, I, a lot of listeners, I would imagine, um, also harbor entrepreneurial aspirations. Um, and, and like I said, it's a very personal decision on a personal uh, choice. And, but the one thing I found is there is no right time to it. And I'm sure we've all heard about the Jeff Bezos regret minimization framework. You know, when you are 80 or 85, you look back and say, you know, all the regrets I have, you know, what would I, what would I have done differently? You know, it's, it's, it's funny, like growing up, yeah, yeah, people want to become a musician or people want to become, you know, a, a sports person or a cricketer or this or that, but none of that comes true because we just don't put in the effort and the time required to make that happen. And we are not willing to make the sacrifices, but ultimately the outcome of our life is a set of the choices that we actually make. Right? And if there is, a desire and an aspiration to be an entrepreneur, create growth, um, create value for the society, create employment in the society. Uh, also, you know, create personal wealth and wealth for your investors, whatever that is. There is just no right time. There is never a guarantee that one will succeed or not. It doesn't matter whether you start now, if you start five years from now or 10 years from now, it's still there is no guarantee of success. So I would just say, go for it and don't keep waiting. If you keep waiting, it might just be too late. Just on the back of experiences I've had over the last 20 years or so, being in the world of corporates, having run businesses, um, there have been moments where I felt like I've achieved a lot of what I wanted to achieve. I've found more fulfillment and satisfaction in the current path that I am on, which is a path where I feel like I'm doing what I really enjoy. I'm doing what I'm really good at and, you know, building a growth mindset where if I get something wrong, no big deal. If I fail, no big deal. I've given myself the license to fail and the permission to succeed both at the same time. Uh, If we build a unicorn, great. If you don't build a unicorn, no big deal. Brilliant. Love this chat, Ram. And for anyone listening, leave us a comment, share this out with your friends, subscribe, like, and I'll see you the next time. Bye.